Luke chapter 18, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 24. Luke chapter 18, verse number 24. The Bible says, And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, Hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? And he said, These things are impossible with men, but are possible with God. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or parents, or brethren, or wife, or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time, and in the world to come, life everlasting. Then he took unto him the twelve. And said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the uh, all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him. And put him to death. And the third day, he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. Luke chapter number 18. His name was August Rodin. I'm not sure if that's the right pronunciation. But it was in 1880 that he conceived in his mind something he wanted to create. He created it a number of years later, and its original name was The Poet. But the, uh, that name didn't stick, and the name that you know it by is the name The Thinker. And Rodin created the statue of the thinker, which has become the most known statue in the world. And according to what I have read about the name Rodin or Rodin or however his name was pronounced, the statue was made to commemorate Dante. And was created to sit over the lintel of his monumental doorcase, doorway, entitled The Gates of Hell. And so, if the research that I did is accurate, the thinker represents Dante sitting over the gates of hell, pondering the people in hell. Now, my mind begins to go beyond that and wonder what he's thinking about the people in hell as he contemplates and thinks about those who are in the realm of eternal judgment, forever separated from God. 
You know, man has, has tried to figure out truth with regards to eternity. He's ever tried to figure that out. Our world is filled with different ideas of who God is, where he came from, where we came from. This last summer, a group of us went over to, to Athens, Greece, to work with one of our missionaries there. And we spent some time up on, uh, on Mars Hill and on the Acropolis and, and, and all of the, the Parthenon and all of the, the buildings dedicated to the gods of the Greeks, the Greek gods. And of course, their pantheon of gods with Zeus and all the twelve Olympians who supposedly lived up on Mount Olympus. And man envisioned all kinds of things about who God might be and what is truth. Man's always been puzzled with regards to how to know what is true. Maybe we all have felt like the thinker at times, pondering where people are that have already died. Where are they? What are they doing today? What are they experiencing today? And more importantly, why are they where they are? And why are they experiencing what they're experiencing? Dante, the gates of hell, the thinker, pondering the eternity of the damned. That is a deep subject, isn't it? The book of Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, the Bible says that God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom he made the worlds. The Bible declares that God is truth. And that he sent Jesus Christ. To reveal truth. In the past, he spoke through the Old Testament preachers. But then he said he finally gave a fuller revelation of truth when his son Jesus Christ came to earth and became human. And lived out the character and reality of eternal God. And declared what truth is. Jesus himself said, as recorded in John 14, Jesus said... I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ said, I am truth, embodied in a, in a person. I have a monopoly on truth. Because nobody can ever know God except through me. Either he was a lunatic, or what he said is real. Either he was a liar, or he's eternal God, the embodiment of truth, a monopoly on what is real. And he declared, I am truth. Man has always pondered what it is to know truth. The disciples were struggling in verse number 34 of our text story this morning. Uh, the Bible says they understood none of these things. They couldn't understand the truth that Jesus was declaring. That's a problem. If Jesus is truth, 
If there's no way into eternity except through him, and he tells you how to get there, it's a problem if you don't understand him. They understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. Wow. Truth. And the problem with failing to grasp what is true. It was a problem in those 12 disciples' lives 2,000 years ago. It can be a problem in your life and in my life. A failure to grasp the truth that Jesus speaks is a huge problem in people's lives. I would say, you see the little bluff, the bottom line up front of this message is simply that a key to life is understanding truth. We can't make it through life well unless we understand what is true. And the disciples, with truth embodied in front of them, telling them what is true, struggled to understand what he was saying. This wasn't the first time this came up. If you just flip back in your Bibles a few pages to Luke chapter 9, I want you to see that, that Jesus Christ is not just revealing truth, this truth for the first time to the disciples. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, about six months earlier actually, Jesus was up in Caesarea Philippi. Then he asked in verse number 20, But whom say ye that I am? Peter, disciples, who am I? And, and Peter answered, and, and Jesus Jesus praised Peter for having the correct answer. If you come down to verse number 43 of that text, verse number 43 of Luke chapter 9, the Bible says, And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God, but while they wondered everyone at all things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men, but they understood not this saying, and it was hid from them that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of that saying. A few verses down in verse 51, the Bible says, It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. So in chapter 9, when they were up at Caesarea Philippi, they grappled with the, with the uh, this thing of truth. And Jesus wanted to know what people were saying about who he was. And then Jesus wanted to know what the disciples were thinking about who he was. And then when he told them that they were going to go to Jerusalem and he was going to die, they couldn't understand it. And so he said to them, okay, let's go to Jerusalem. That links to our text this morning because Jesus Christ is just outside of Jerusalem. Six months after chapter 9. All we have now is the blind man being healed. Zacchaeus, a parable, and we're at Palm Sunday. We should get there by Christmas next year. We're right on the edge of Jerusalem. Jesus is getting ready to go to Jericho and then travel up to Jerusalem. 
And Jesus Christ once again brings up this subject of what's going to happen in Jerusalem. And the disciples struggle to understand what he's talking about. In our text, in verse number 31, the Bible says he took the twelve. He said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. What is involved in knowing and understanding truth? How can you know truth 2,000 years after truth himself walked on this earth? How can you know what is true? That's an important question. That's a question that the, that the people around us in northern Virginia ask. How can I know what is true? How can I know what is truth? How do I know the Bible can be true? How do I know that Jesus is who he claimed to be? How can I know what is truth? The disciples struggled. What can we learn from this encounter between Jesus and the disciples that will help you know how you can know truth? And will help you to know how you can help your loved ones and relatives to know truth. The people you work with. The people God brings across your path. How can we know truth? Let's examine this text by asking three questions. The first question is why? Why don't you understand? Why don't you understand what is true? The Bible says the disciples heard what he said, but then they couldn't understand what he said. They couldn't understand what he meant. They struggled to understand. Why did they struggle? And why do you struggle? And why do people you know and love struggle to know what is truth? That's an important question. Why don't you understand? And there's some possibilities. One of the possibilities of why a person doesn't understand is because Satan is the chief blinder of people's minds. The Bible tells us in the reference I, I put on your little worksheet there. Satan blinds. Second Corinthians chapter 4. The Bible says if our gospel be hid. It's hid to those that are lost. If, if, if our gospel. The, the message of eternal life is hid. It's hid from people who have not believed it. They're lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. That's one possible reason why you may not understand what is true. Because Satan works overtime to blind you to truth. He causes other ideas, man-made ideas, sometimes even... Uh, associated with pseudoscience that, that would have us to believe that they have evidence that we're all animals that just evolved to a superintelligence. And if you don't know enough to study true science, you may be, Satan may use that to blind you to what is true. Satan blinds people. He works hard to blind people. He wants to keep the light of the glorious gospel from shining into the heart and mind of a person. So he works hard to blind people. And he uses all kinds of things to blind people from that which is true. That's one possibility. Satan blinds people. 
and then you can't understand. Another possibility is religious leaders who are blind lead blind people. That's what Jesus Christ said in Matthew 15. Jesus said in Matthew 15, chapter 14, uh, uh, or verse 14, he said, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. Jesus was talking about the religious leaders of Judaism that he was dealing with in his earthly ministry. People that rejected the truth that he was preaching. Religious leaders who renounced Jesus Christ as being true. Religious leaders who had a monopoly on keeping people attached to them by giving them false ideas of earning righteousness by human effort. Keeping the law in order to be acceptable to God. Jesus called them blind people. They can't see the truth. And what's really bad is when a blind person is leading a blind person. The second blind person doesn't even know that the first blind person is blind. They think that first person is leading them in a safe path. They have the idea that that first person who has them by the hand and is leading, they're trusting that person. They're trusting that person to not walk them out in front of a car on a street. They're trusting that person not walk them over an open manhole. They're trusting that person to lead them in a way that they'll be safe. They don't know the person that's leading them is blind. Jesus Christ said religious leaders who don't know the gospel, religious leaders who don't know the truth, religious leaders who preach false ideas and man-made theologies and man-made beliefs, they're blind themselves. And then they get up and they espouse their false ideas and they get a crowd of people to trust them, to believe in them and follow them, not knowing that they're being led by another blind person. And so Jesus Christ said they're blind, leading the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, verse 14 says, both shall fall into the ditch. It's a dangerous thing. Some people don't know truth because religious leaders who don't know truth have convinced them to trust what they preach, what they teach, what they share. And they don't take it back to the Word of God. They don't show people what God says. That really struck home in our family back when I was just a little child and mom had gotten saved and we were still going to a little country United Methodist Church that was had preached to her all her life, if you'll be a good person, God is a loving God. If you'll be a good person and try real hard, everything will be all, all right. Everything will work out fine. And once she got saved, she began to realize that the preacher preaching that never showed her that in the Bible. But after she got saved, she began to see in the Bible something different. The grace of God that saves the unworthy. The grace of God that saves the sinner. The grace of God that saves the one condemned to hell. The mercy and grace of God, not human effort and works. And she found that some people that preached that she would listen to would open the Bible and show her what God said. Other preachers would just tell them what they wanted them to believe. One of the reasons why people are blind is because they follow 
religious leaders who don't open the Word of God and show them why they're saying what they're saying. Religious leaders lead people astray. This, this, uh, Jesus also said in Matthew 23, he said, But woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrite, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. He's talking to the religious leaders. He said to the religious leaders, You are shutting up heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. So Jesus said, You hypocrites, you're not going to heaven. As a religious leader, believing a false Doctrine, you're not going to heaven, and you're barring heaven from the people that trust you. And so he concluded in verse 13 of Matthew 23 by saying, Woe unto you, ye blind guides. Why is it the people don't understand truth? Why is it that you don't understand truth? It may be that Satan is working overtime to keep the truth from piercing your heart and mind. It could be that you've listened to religious leaders that don't know the truth and you've trusted them and they've led you astray and barred you from heaven. They're blind guides. But our text suggests something that causes us to scratch our head. Our text says, in verse number 34, they understood none of these things and this thing was hid from them. Who hid it? It was hid from them. It could be that God hid it from them. It was hid from them at this stage in their life and they don't understand. They don't have a grasp of what, of what truth is. They're struggling to understand. Earlier, six months earlier, we read in chapter 9 where they were afraid to ask him any more information. Was God not ready for them to fully understand yet? Was God holding this understanding back at the current time because he wasn't ready for them to fully understand? Were they not ready in, internally in their own mind, in their own thinking, in their own level of relationship to God? Could it be that they weren't yet ready to understand that truth? Well, hold that question just for a moment while we go to question number two. What don't you understand? What don't you understand? Well, Jesus Christ in this text, the Bible says in verse 31 that Jesus Christ was sharing with them things that the Old Testament prophets, the preachers of the Old Testament, had declared concerning the Son of Man, and that what they declared is going to be accomplished in Jerusalem. Jesus Christ said that there are things that are going to happen when we get to Jerusalem. You can read in your Old Testament the preachers of the Old Testament who told us what's going to happen. And I'm telling you, when we get there, it's going to happen. What's going to happen? What are you talking about, Jesus Christ? What did the Old Testament preachers say would happen to their Messiah? Well, that's a big subject. The Old Testament preachers said a lot. I've got a list here of about 20 things. 
born of a virgin, seed of Abraham, tribe of Judah, lineage of David, born at Bethlehem, anointed of the Spirit, ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, betrayed by a friend, sold for thirty pieces of silver, forsaken by his disciples, pierced in his hand and feet, yet no bone broken, given gall and vinegar to drink, part his garments, cast lots for his vesture, forsaken of God, buried with the rich, rise from the dead, ascend on high, and sit at the Father's right hand. I mean, that's a whole lot that the Old Testament prophets talked about. Jesus said to his disciples, everything they said about me is going to happen. It will be accomplished. You know, the two greatest key passages in the Old Testament that give us a concentration of what the Old Testament says about the Messiah are Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. Profound passages of Scripture. To read them and meditate on them and pray through them. In fact, this was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born at Bethlehem. And they talked about what would happen to the Messiah. And to read that and to, to, to get a hold of the depth of the information about Jesus Christ. And then to read the Gospels and see what happened. Profound. What don't you understand? Jesus emphasized four specific truths. You see them on your little worksheet as one, two, three, and four. Jesus emphasized four particular truths, specific truths, in this dialogue with his disciples. Do you see them? Verse number 32, he had said in verse 31 that what all things that the prophets have said shall be accomplished. And then he listed four things. Number one, he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles. Handed over to his enemies. Oh, when we read the story in our Bibles, when we're caught up in the emotion, the drama of what happened in Jerusalem, we see the, the chief priests and, and leaders in Jerusalem getting angrier and angrier every day when Jesus went to the temple and taught. They, they, they got angrier and angrier at and what Jesus Christ said and what he taught. And they began to figure out, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with this guy? If we don't do anything, he's going to take over the temple and we're going to lose our jobs. How can we get rid of this man? What are we going to do? And they began to look for ways to kill him. They began to try to find a way to, 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 to get a hold of him when no one was around because the, he was popular amongst the common people. They couldn't just take him. And so they began to figure out, how can we pull this off? How can we get rid of this populist leader? And then Judas came one night to the chief priest. He said, I, I know where he hangs out. I know where he spends time in the evenings. I can turn him over to you. They said, if you can turn him over to us, we'll pay you for it. Deal. So Judas began to look for the opportunity. When can we turn him over? When can we turn him over to the Romans? First to the chief priests, and then to the Romans. It all culminated that night when, 
When Judas found out where Jesus was going to be that night and he tipped off where he was going to be, he was heading out to the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane, crying, weeping, sweating drops of blood as it were, agonizing over the sins, of agonizing over your sin, agonizing over what the weight of your sin would be on his back. Agonizing over what it was going to feel like when your sin was put on him. And he had to bear the weight of your sin. And he collapsed to the ground. He got up, he stumbled, he prayed. Sweat pouring off his face. Capillaries in his skin had burst and, and, and he was sweating. A red, uh, tinged with blood, sweaty, coming down his face. Bearing the weight of your sin. Collapsed again. Then all of a sudden, they heard it. Can, can you hear it? It's the clanging of swords. It's the clanging of shields. There it is. I, I can see it coming down the path over there. Flickering torches. A band of soldiers. Judas at the lead. Kisses Jesus on the cheek. He had told him, the guy I kiss. Jesus looked at him and said, friend, betrayest thou me with a kiss? Disciples run, abandon him. Soldiers take him to Caiaphas' house. Those of you who are in Israel, we were at Caiaphas' house. We saw the very stairs, the very stairs that Jesus Christ walked on. There in Caiaphas' house, Jesus Christ was being judged in a mock trial by the Jewish people in the middle of the night against the law. And Peter was outside warming his hands at the fire. Cursing Jesus. Forsaken. Betrayed. Handed over to the enemies. The fake trial. With no authority to do anything with regards to judgment. No authority to carry out a judgment. Because they were under Roman domination. So they turn him over to the Romans. Say, this man is a blasphemer. He's encouraged us to worship wrongly. And the Roman authorities took him. What is it you don't understand? What is it that we struggle to understand about truth? Everything that the Old Testament preachers said would happen was happening, handed over to the enemies. And then in verse number 32, he also said, not only will he be delivered unto the Gentiles, he'll be mocked, despitefully entreated, spitted upon. Not only was he handed over to the enemies, but he was emotionally bullied. He was emotionally bullied, blindfolded, Spin him around. Slap him in the face. Which one of us hit you this time? You phony. 
spit in his face. Laughed at him. Made fun of him. Bullied him emotionally. Psalm 22, 7 and 8, quoting what Jesus would say hundreds of years before it would happen. The Bible says, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake their head. He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Well, let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. Mockery, spit, laugh. As they emotionally abused. They said it was going to happen hundreds of years before. The Old Testament preachers said that was going to happen. And it happened just like they said. And then Jesus what is it that we don't understand? Jesus said, the Old Testament preachers also said that they would physically torture me. Verse 33, they'll scourge him and put him to death. Oh, the scourge. The horrible scourge. The Romans were experts at getting a man an inch from death and pulling back. Sometimes they weren't successful. Sometimes they disemboweled the person, and as their organs fell to the ground, they would die. Romans were cruel. The scourge. And then, after the scourge, being nailed to the cross. Psalm 22 quotes Jesus as saying in his heart, as that was all happening, I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. The Roman soldiers. The Jews that were mocking him, laughing at him, ridiculing him. He said, the dogs have circled around me and enclosed me. The assembly of the wicked, they've pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. He says, you can count. He's naked, nailed to a cross, humiliated. He said, you can count my bones. I'm so emaciated from all they've put me through. You can see every one of my bones. I may tell all my bones. And they look and they stare upon me. Jesus Christ, what is it that we have a hard time understanding? And Jesus Christ says, well, the Old Testament preacher said this would happen. The Old Testament preacher said this would happen. The Old Testament preacher said this would happen. But not only would he be handed over to his enemies, and not only would he be emotionally abused, not only would he be uh, physically tortured, but then in verse number 33, aren't you glad the way it ends? (laughs) 
Verse 33 ends by saying, and he shall rise again. <laughs> you just hang around to the third day. I like it the way the old colored preacher said it. He said, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The clouds are dark. The sun refuses to shine. The Son of Man has been destroyed emotionally and physically as he bore the weight of my sin. It's Friday. He's dead. But Sunday's coming. And he rose victoriously from the grave. What is it that we don't understand? The disciples struggled to understand. Because this, this went against all of their preconceived ideas. It went against all of their training as a Jewish man. These passages were skipped over in the synagogue reading. The rabbis never talked about the suffering Messiah. They only talked about the glorious Messiah. So much so that the Bible in 1 Peter tells us that the preachers that were writing this stuff down in the Old Testament struggled to understand what they were writing down. Well, the school kids do that today. They write something down. They, they, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just wrote it down. And, and the, the, the Old Testament preachers writing down what God told them to write down, preaching what God told them to preach, but they couldn't understand it. What do you mean a suffering Messiah? How could he be a suffering Messiah? He's the King of kings and Lord of lords who will take over this world. How could he be this and this? I don't understand. I don't understand. So the disciples couldn't understand. They struggled to understand what Jesus Christ was saying. Let me give you a third and final question. When will you understand? When will you understand that they had a struggle understanding? It was hid from them and they couldn't understand it. We don't know. It's still a mystery to me. Did God hide it from them? Why did God hide it from them? Why did they not understand? But I can read further in my Bible and I can find out a whole lot of good stuff about when will you understand. Let me give you these three thoughts in closing. I'll tell you when you'll understand. When you have the Holy Spirit as a teacher teaching you truth. John 16, after the resurrection, or I'm sorry, before the, before the death of Jesus Christ. In John 16, in the upper room, Jesus Christ told the disciples, you will understand. Because when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. I'll tell you when you'll understand. When you've got the Holy Spirit... Helping you understand. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6 to 3, 4. I put that in your little worksheet so you have the reference to read sometime. It is the most detailed explanation about how God makes truth known to man. And it requires the power of the Holy Spirit to enable man to understand truth. I'll tell you when... You'll understand what's true when the Holy Spirit is guiding you into all truth. It requires the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you another thought. I'll tell you when you'll understand. You'll understand when life experiences open your heart 
to that truth. Second Corinthians chapter one tells us our God is the God of all comfort. And when you experience that comfort in life circumstance, when you go through things in your life and your backs against the wall and you're broken over the circumstances of life and you find out by experience that God sweeps in and is a comfort to you. He comes to your side as a fortress of strength. He's a comfort. He is a strength. He is a helper. He ministers to you in your darkest night. You learn that God is real. And then that life experience equips you to help somebody else. When they go through the same thing. I'll tell you when you'll understand. You'll understand when life experience brings you to the point where that truth is critical to your survival. And you learn in times of experience a truth about God that helps you. And then you become a sharer of that truth with others. Let me give you the last one. I'll tell you when you can... When you begin to understand, when you're spiritually ready to understand. I think of all of them, this might come. Well, the first one, they, they, they had the Holy Spirit with them, but he wasn't in them, Jesus said in the upper room. And he would yet lead them and guide them into all truth once he was living in them. But this third one is powerful as well. When you're spiritually ready Hebrews talks about a person who is not ready to understand a truth. And so they have to, all they can handle is the milk of the word because they're not capable of handling strong meat yet. And sometimes you don't understand some truth or you don't understand some reality because you're just not spiritually mature enough to be able to handle that yet. Later in life, as you grow closer to God and you become robust in your spiritual walk with Jesus Christ, you'll begin to understand things you didn't have the capacity to understand before. You can handle a good old steak instead of a bottle of milk. Hey, I tell you, if you want to stay with the bottle of milk your whole spiritual life, if you want to just be kind of a, uh, I've been saved 20 years, I've got a one-year experience, I've repeated it 20 times. And I've never grown beyond that. If that's what you want, and you want to suck on a bottle all your spiritual life, have at it. I want a steak. I want a sirloin. A thick sirloin. Medium. It may be you're struggling to understand because you've never grown to the point where you're capable of understanding. A particular truth. You need the Holy Spirit. You need life experience. And you need to grow up a bit. To be able to understand. All there is to understand. Wow. A key to life. Is understanding truth. And it's easy to miss truth. You can be blind. By Satan. By religious leaders. You can just be not thinking clearly. Do you understand truth? Whoever you are right now, today, do you understand why Jesus Christ went through what he went through on Calvary in Jerusalem? 
Do you understand what life is really all about? Or are you blind by Satan and religion and just don't get it yet? Oh, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what you need to know to take the next step in getting to know God. You know, later on in this unfolding story of Jesus Christ, the night following his morning resurrection, the first Sunday night, Jesus Christ walked on a roadside that led to the village of Emmaus, and he met two guys. And as he walked with those two guys, he caused them to not recognize his physical appearance and who he was. And they were talking about all that had happened that day in Jerusalem. How that just a few days ago, Jesus was put to death. And now this morning, they're saying that they can't find his body. And and so the Bible says that Jesus began to tell them all about the Messiah through the Old Testament stories. And then when they sat down at the table and he broke the bread, they saw the way he broke the bread. <laughs> I've seen him do that. I know who you are. Yeah. And he vanished. And he was gone. Jesus pointed them to what the Bible said would happen. And when they experienced it happening, that changed everything about them. Oh, listen. Wasn't long after that, Philip was on his way to meet a guy in a chariot. And the guy was in a chariot on his way to Ethiopia. (laughs) He was looking for you, massacre. And the guy was reading... And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He said, I don't understand. I'm struggling to understand. I'm having a hard time understanding truth. I need someone to show me. Philip jumped up in the chariot. He says, where are you reading? Isaiah 53. Oh, that's a good place to read. And Philip took the Old Testament. And showed him Jesus Christ. What God said would happen, happened. That's how you can know that it's true. And that guy got saved that day because he had found the truth. Which linked what the word of God said would be and what he could see happening with his own eyes. You can know truth. You just have to know what God said would happen and then study history and find out it happened just like God said it would. It is true. And you can trust the Word of God because it's the truth from God. And that truth tells you why Jesus went to the cross. Because you're on your way to hell. That's why He went to the cross. Because you could never be good enough To earn his favor. That's why he went to the cross. He went to the cross to keep you from paying the eternal price for your sin and rebellion against your creator. And he bore that willingly 
and is willing to forgive you and cleanse you so that you're different than what you ever were in the past and make you a Christian, a new creation in Christ Jesus. And it's true. And he wants to do that in your life if you've never been saved. And for those of us who are saved, we need to keep digging in the Word of God. It's the source of your conviction as to what is true that is beyond any question. 